progress through the annual cycles of nature and the history of our people. The winter months call for practices and pursuits that are different than those of the summer months. So in winter is a different kind of spiritual growth, and in summer it takes another level of energy. Uh, so some months are filled with holidays, and some have only one or none. Each month, therefore, has its own natural and spiritual signature. For Rabbi uh, Richman, the theme of this month of Shabbat is the concept of renewal and rebirth. Our sages teach that on this day, a unique wave of divine energy flows through all of creation and forerunner of the restoration, rejuvenation, and rebirth of spring. Deep with the natural world, the vital force of life begins to rise up within tree, within each blade of grass, preparing for renewal. So the theme of renewal permeates each moment on this entire month as it is with nature. So to this special time alludes to the potential for restoration within each person. For the Torah uses the metaphor, it is the tree of the field, a man. That's in Deuteronomy 20:19. Just as renewal is within the grasp of the natural world, so too it is within our grasp as well, as the trees around us receive this new spark of divine energy, it is intended for people to grasp and receive. See, uh, the Jewish nation, when they, when they were born, they were simple people. They were shepherds and, and uh, uh, skillful people. They were also uh, just farmers. People, that, they were very simple. They had a very simple life. They needed to move to Egypt in order for them to learn some other skills. Uh, and those skills will be learned within those years of when they establish themselves in there. Unfortunately, they were slaves uh, for many years, but in those years they were used, they were learning those skills as well. And so when they moved down into the desert, they were able to build the tabernacle because they were skillful. And also they learn other things, very cool things in Egypt. And they also learn very bad things. So when we are in a society like Egypt, like, okay, United States of America, for instance, you might learn very good things, but also you might learn very bad things. It all depends on where your heart is. So we are instructed as, as people to serve God with all our heart, soul, and might. Deuteronomy 6. That service includes the aspect of one striving for personal spiritual growth as we attempt to draw ever closer to our Creator. However, one of the greatest challenges, challenges that we face in our service of God, indeed the greatest spiritual danger, is the tendency to become complacent. The cure to spiritual stagnancy and complacency and the secret to spiritual renewal and rebirth is Torah, study, and knowledge. Isn't it cool? 
This theme also runs parallel to Shabbat's theme of rebirth connected to the spiritual root of this time of year. It was on the first day of this Hebrew month of Shabbat that Moses began to recite the book of Deuteronomy to the people of Israel. Deuteronomy 1.5 says, On the other side of the Jordan and in the land of Moab, Moses began to explain this Torah. And this process was for 37 years until they crossed over the, the, the land, but it was until his death, it was before they crossed over the land, it was until his death on the seventh day of the month of Adar. Uh, so you remember the whole theme is rebuking and everything. What are we at this moment? In the next slide, we're going to see, uh, I always give you this kind of um, information so you, we can see what we are. Because we know where we are in the secular calendar, but in the next slide, we're going to see if, you know, you are, you remember where are we. Uh, Tiffany, would you please move us to the next slide? Thank you. You see there, the month of Shvat is the 11th month counting from Nisan. And it is the fifth month of the civil year. Uh, that will be counting from Tishrei. The name Shvat was acquired in Babylon, as is the case with the names of the other Hebrew months. Before the Babylonian captivity, the Tanakh mentions the month by number. There are only four months uh, that have names. The first month is Nisan, but it was called Aviv, according to Exodus 13.4. If you want to take the reference, Aviv is the name. That's but we call it Nissan now, and it's not a car, by the way. That was later around by the Japanese. The second month is, is Iyar, and it was called Ziv. Ziv, uh, we can see it on 1 Kings 6 and 37. Uh, from 6 to 37, something like that. The seventh month, Tishrei, was called Eitanim, which is in 1 Kings 8.2. The eighth month, Hasvan, it was called Bull, B-U-L, 1 Kings 6.38. Their number, according to their place, mentions the rest of the month in the calendar. And this is how the Hebrews knew, uh, knew them when they left Egypt. So there's two moments. When they left Egypt, it was numbered, except this four months I just mentioned. And after the Babylonian captivity, all the names of the month changed after the Babylonian captivity, basically using their pagan language. Why are we still using that language instead of the scriptural names and our numbers then? What's going on? Nachmanides, one of our rabbis, uh, or Ramban, Nachmanides, on his commentary on Exodus 12.2, 12, teaches that this is consistent with Jeremiah's prophecy. Uh, Therefore, Jeremiah says, Behold, days are coming, says Hashem, and it shall not longer be said by one who wishes to pronounce an oath, 
as Adonai leaves, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but rather as Adonai leaves, who brought up the children of Israel from the north land of Babylon. So, if we are using the numerical order starting from Nisan, we are remembering the exodus from Egypt. In other words, we can use both. We can use either the numbers, like in the biblical uh, text, or we can use the Babylonian names. Because on the other hand, if we are using the Babylonian names, we are remembering that Hashem had redeemed his people, the people of Israel, from the second exile in Babylon. That's why we're still using those names. To remember, number one, the Exodus. We use numbers. And if we use these names that I'm showing in the slide, these names are to remember the second exile from Babylon. It's not necessarily to honor that language and those names. Like you can see, there are a couple names there that are uh, also the names of pagan gods, like Tammuz. In the next slide, I'm showing you the same month, but uh, I'm just grouping them in, uh, in, in, in four categories, four different kind of, of uh, months. You see Nisan, Yar, Sivan, and then you see Tammuz, Av, Elul, then Tishrei, Hasvan, Kislev, Tevet, uh, and Hasvan, and then Kislev, Tevet, oh, wait a minute. Tevet, Shevat, and Adar, one, and sometimes we have, in leap years, we have Adar, two, as well. So, um, the four groups of the 12 months of the biblical calendar are somehow interlinked by events and holidays. That is why they are, uh, they are important for us, the believers. Those links are interrelated with our spiritual growth and to our relationship with the Almighty. Since it is on those events and holidays, our, our Lord revealed to his people his word and purposes for our lives. See, everything, the time and the space have a purpose for us. But it's hard for us to understand if we don't understand the calendar. God's time. Uh, the fact of the mother that we observe the Jewish uh, New Year and the autumn month of Tishrei creates a misleading impression that Tishrei is the first month of the Jewish calendar. This is clearly not the case. The Torah explicitly designates the springtime month of the Exodus the one that was called, that later was called Nisan, as the beginning of the month. The new moon of Nisan inspired a distinctive generation of liturgical poetry, or Pijutim. That stressed the primacy of the date as the time when the ancient Israelites were first notified of their approaching liberation from Egypt. Hence, the day also served as an inspiration to strengthen the people's faith in the imminence of the messianic redemption. So all this month, they have a messianic message on it. All we need to do is follow the Torah, follow what the Torah is teaching us. Read the Torah, read your Bible, uh, and we're going to see every language is good. We're going to see why. Don't forget that the divine, uh, in the uh, next slide, I'm showing you some other cool things. Uh, this is just to remind you. I've been telling you about this, and 
I've been reading for about more than a year this uh, spiral uh, series, spiral time series, and they're very, they're really cool. Don't forget that divine appointments are revealed in a spiral kind of calendar. In other words, since the calendar is not lineal, like the Greco-Roman calendar, it's like lineal, right? The Jewish calendar should be, anytime you celebrate the festivals, you're moving up and getting closer to God, which is kind of cool. In other words, um, anytime we celebrate and recognize the Moedim and other important events of his, ca his calendar, we are elevating ourselves to a different personal spiritual level and getting closer to heavens where his throne is. Shvat is mentioned in the scriptures on the 20th, 4th day of the 11th month of the month of Shvat. That's in Zechariah uh, 1, 7, and I'm reading from the complete Jewish Bible. The, rel the relevance of Shvat is mentioned in, in the Tanakh. Moses began Mishnei Torah on the first day of, of Shvat. These are the words Moshe spoke to all Israel in the far side of the Jordan River in the desert on the first day of the 11th month, on the 40th year. Moshe spoke to the people of Israel, reviewing everything Adonai had ordered him to tell them. I mean, for a guy who spoke a few words, he was talking a lot in here, right? Deuteronomy 1, 1 and 3. And the next slide, we're going to see um, these interlinked things. I'm just trying to give you these uh, images so you have an idea. This is like watching that same spiral from, from up there, we'll say. You know, ev every month is interlinking to each other. On the first month of Shvat, of the Hebrew year 2014, 20, uh, 2,488, according to the Book of Deuteronomy, Moses con uh, convened the Jewish people and began the 37-day review of the Torah, which he concluded on the day of his death, on Adar 7 of that year. The rabbinical tradition made an association on the first of Shvat with Shavuot, 6th of Sivan, and that is why this month is also considered a month to return to the Torah. So this month we should return to the Torah. We should kind of review our lives and paralleling the, uh, our lives and our hearts with the Torah. Uh, we at uh, Congregation Beth and I believe that Yeshua HaMashiach is the living Torah. Thus the Torah is our Mashiach. It is important to celebrate his sacrifice for us and so we seek to return to his teachings in this month. Then we also have the Zechariah prophecy that I already read. Uh, well, having, let me read Zechariah uh, 1, 7 to 16, but I'm just going to read a few verses. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of the reign of Darius, uh, the word of God came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Ido, the prophet, saying, I will return to Jerusalem in mercy. My house will be built within her. So you see it's also important to read the Haftarah, the Torah uh, reading and the Haftarah. And of course for us, the believers in Messiah, the suggested reading from the apostolic scripture, scriptures as well. 
This was two years before the completion of the second temple on the third of Adar on 515 BCE. To Beshvat, the new years of the trees, uh, it's also called the 15 of Shvat, uh, of the Jewish month of Shvat, is the holiday also known as the new year of the trees. The word two is not really a word, it's just a number. It's the number 15. Um, and so this is known as the new year of the trees as well. Um, and uh, it was established for the purpose of calculating the age of the trees for tithing. That's in Leviticus 19.23 to 25, which states that the fruit from trees may not be eaten during the first three years, the fourth year's fruit is for God, and after that you can eat the fruit. That, teaching, that is teaching us patience, because nowadays we want everything by yesterday, right? But in this period of time, you needed to be patient and wait. You plant a tree, and then you wait when that grows, and then the first and second and third crops, you cannot eat them, just let them go and kind of... Uh, you know, uh, good. it was good for the same tree. And then the fourth is for the Lord. They used to, should be for the temple. And so in the, basically in the fifth year, you, you may eat it. Uh, so is trees considered to have age one year as of two Bishvat? So if, if you planted a tree on Shabbat 14, it begins its second year for the next year. But if you plant a tree two days later on Shabbat 16, it does not reach the second year until the next two Shabbat. You understand? Because I haven't. And so, <laughs> two Shabbat, I'm not a farmer, so I don't, you know, it's, it's hard for me to, to get it. These I had to use a guy who knows about planting trees and all that. I was like, I don't know what the rabbis are talking about here. But I understand it now better when uh, somebody who is an expert explained it to me. Tubishbat is not mentioned in the Torah. I have found only one reference to it in the Mishnah. And the only thing says there is that it is the new year of, for trees, that's all. And there is a dispute for the proper date of the holiday of two rabbis, Beit Chamai, he says it was the first, and Beit Hillel mentions that it was the 15th. So the sages took, you know, Hillel instead of Shammai. So to Bishvat this year, of this Greco-Roman secular calendar of 2020, will be beginning on the evening of Sunday, February 9th, and ends on the evening of Monday, February 10th. So a lot of people is starting it to do like setters then. So this is kind of cool. It's kind of, it's like a rehearsal for our proper setter on Nissan, which is pretty cool. And the next, uh, we're going to see in the next slide some other things. The next slide mentions uh, the three months I was referring to. This is the last three months of the year. Uh, so Tibet, Shabbat, and Adar. The month of Tibet opens with the last two of the three days of Hanukkah. That's the link. It links because Hanukkah, uh, Kislev, the last month uh, before Tibet, 
the month uh, right before Tevet varies between 29 to 30 days. The last day of the holiday varies as well. If Kislev is 29 days, Hanukkah will end on the 3rd of Tevet. If Kislev is 30 days, Hanukkah will end in the 2nd of Tevet, which is kind of cool as well. So in the month of Tevet, we have a special commemoration. It is the 10th of Tevet, and it's a fasting day that day. The Pasukum Zechariah, and we, Zechariah is kind of a pretty cool guy. Uh, he mentions all these uh, cool things. The Pasuk, or the, of the verse, the verses in Zechariah 8, 18, 19 states, This word of Adonai Sevachot came to me. Adonai Sevachot says, The fast days of the 4th, 5th, 7th, and 10th, there you go, that's the month of Tevet, the last month, the 10th, or 10th uh, month are to become times of joy, gladness, and cheer for the house of Yehuda. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. So the 10th of Tevet marks the first of the events that led to the destruction of the Beit Hamikdash, the Holy Temple. On the 10th of Tevet in the year 33-35, the Babylonians under King Nebuchadnezzar began the siege of Jerusalem which ended three years later with the conquest of the city, the destruction of the first temple, and the Babylonian exile. You can refer to that to 2 Kings 25, 1-4. Um, there's a couple other things here. Let me see if I can go through these. Uh, let's move to the month of Shabbat. Shabbat, we celebrate, of course, this, the celebration of this month should be the 15th of Shabbat, as, is, as I mentioned before, and it's the new year of the trees. Uh, there, and, and this is a celebration in Eretz Israel, of course. There are four kinds of tithe, and not all are taken every year, and this is about the tithe as well, another mixture of things that I'm not going to explain tonight. Um, I'm going to move on to other cool things down here. On the month of Adar, Adar is the month of the rabbinic holiday of Purim. Um, it is an, especially joy, an special joyous time for commem that commemorates a miracle in ancient Persia. Mordechai and Queen Esther were instrumental in saving the Jewish people from extermination at the hands of the wicked Haman. Oh, some of you are sleeping still. <laughs> and his willing accomplice, King Ahasuerus. And of course, it's going to be Tanis Esther on the 13th of Adar. The fast of Esther is observed. It commemorates Queen Esther's request that the entire nation fast for her when she risked her life on behalf of her people. In addition, it recalls that the Jews fasted and repented on this day when they were permitted to fight back against the enemies. If Tana is Esther falls on Ashabbat, the fast is moved back to Thursday. Because you know you cannot fast on a Shabbat. A Shabbat should be a day of joy, a day of joy that you have to enjoy. You cannot fast on the Shabbat. 
I know you don't. Some people from Mars were doing it. Uh, so Purim, the Feast of Purim is observed. Uh, we read Megillat Esther publicly on the evening and morning of Purim. Of course, here at Bethel and I, we do a, a lot of cool things. So the 12 dimensions of Shvat I was, I was telling you about, I'm not going to give you all of them. In the next slide, we're going to see some of the, the, the of this. Um, according to the book, again, Rob Dober Pinson, uh, I can give you the name later. It's really cool. And I'm going to tell you how to read it as well, because it's got some cool things, but there also might be a lot of mystical for you. Uh, but it talks about the 12 dimensions in each month. And one of them is the sequence of Hashem's name. Uh, the Torah verse, they compare that sequence with the next one, which is the Torah verse. Then uh, it refers to a letter on, on Shabbat. It's got different themes as well. Uh, uh, the month name, the sands, the mazal, the tri, a body part, an element, parshiot, the seasoning holiday. We're just going to see a few of them tonight because we don't have time to go through up all of them. We're going to see the Torah verse, the letter, uh, talk about the parishiot, uh, the season, and the holiday. In the next slide, we're going to see the verse of the month. The verse of the month is Vaikra 27. It's 33. It's not 23. It should be 33 in there. I don't know why I wrote 23. Uh, again, I've been having problems with my eyes. The owner is not, and this is what it says. The owner is not to inquire whether the animal is good or bad, and he cannot exchange it. If he does exchange it, both it and the one he substituted for, it will be holy. It cannot be redeemed. So this verse teaches us that if a person who has selected an animal for temple sacrifice decides to exchange his designed animal for a different one, both animals are then considered holy. In such a teruma, teruma means exchange as well, one must receive something equal in value to what they have offered. The two objects objects must be, in a sense, the same. Previously, however, one object was holy and the other one was not. But now, to create an equal exchange, they are both holy. This is an expansion of Kedusha, or holiness, into new territory, so to speak, like the flame of a candle that can light the wick of other candles without losing any of its own fire. Kedusha can expand or transfer from one source to another without diminishment. In reality, sharing and spreading the light only serves to dispel more darkness. Isn't it cool? It's not the same with the Messiah. We are all like lights. Once we have this spark of the Messiah within us, we, we light another person, and that darkness from Egypt is it's spreading out, it's getting away. Once you have light within you, you light somebody else and so on. And so people are not in darkness anymore. And you're just taking away those souls from the hands of, of the idolaters from Egypt. That's how we're studying in the Torah uh, classes. The concept of Teruma is really related to the concept of Targum, translation especially. 
Moshe's translation of the Torah from the Holy Tongue into the 70 root languages of the secular world. This is from the rabbis. They says that in Exodus, the Torah was given to the nation of Israel, but also was given to the nations in 70 different languages, which is cool. I believe that. This exchange or transfer of Torah from one language to another elevated each secular language into the realm of holiness. And the previously narrow boundary of holiness was thereby expanded to embrace and include seemingly mundane aspects of life. From then on, whenever people study Torah in a language other than Hebrew, that linguistic expression is included within the holiness of the revelation at, of Mount Sinai. Uh, pro, uh, properly, Moshe translated the Torah into the 70 language of Rosh Hodesh. That was on Rosh Hodesh Shvat. On this day, Moshe translated those words from Hebrew to the 70 languages. Isn't it cool? And so the months that give us the power to expand the borders of Kedusha into the realm of what was once considered mundane. So in any language you study the Torah, it's still holy. Because, you know, this teaches a lot of things that, you know, a lot of teachers out there are talking about, oh no, if you don't speak Hebrew, you're not really doing it. No, 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 no. It's, you know, you gotta see other ideas of other rabbis to consider Torah is Torah. Those are words of holiness that you are repeating, you're studying, you're putting them in your mind and in your heart. Eventually, you wanna, you wanna learn Hebrew? Yes, you can, it's even better to understand it much better. But right now, if you speak English only, it's awesome. Use that language for uh, the purpose of your studies of the Torah. In the next slide, we're gonna see uh, the next thing I was, I was telling you about, the, the letter for this specific month is will be Zadi. The name of this letter is popularly pronounced Zadik, um, meaning of righteous, meaning a righteous or, or enlightened person. And that's in Shabbat 104, further expanded in the Midrash, Uziyot the Rabbi Akiva. A Siddiq is, a, is defined by, among other things, his relationship to food. As this basic physical appetite is one of the foundations upon, with, upon which uh, the edifice of one's psyche is initially erected and ultimately rectified. The Torah says that for a Siddiq, eating is inherently satisfying. The Siddiq eat, eats to satisfy his soul but the belly of the wicked is always empty. So if you're always hungry, you gotta review your life. You might be just a wicked person. I'm just kidding. Uh, but this is the highest form of eating, to eat from a state of a spiritual fullness and until one is physically full. So this is, it's got double meaning as well. Uh, and the next slide, we're gonna see some total portions of this month, usually, from Baera to Yitro, but this year are from Bo to Mishpatim. We just, we just saw Baera last, last week, just recently, last week. Uh, 
at least here in the diaspora. So both, I'm going to put in a nutshell, nutshell. Uh, Bo, it talks about the last three ten plagues because we saw the seven plagues on the last portion. Uh, and this portion is going to talk about the ten plagues. Uh, it's going to talk about the first mitzvah. Um, to begin, with, what is the first mitzvah of the Torah, by the way? What is the first commandment of the Torah? Huh? Love your God. That's the first commandment. Are you sure? I am the Lord. But that's that's the first of the Ten Commandments. I didn't ask you which one is the first commandment of the Torah. I mean, I didn't ask you the Ten Commandments. I asked you which one is the first commandment of the whole Torah. Huh? Huh? Shema Israel? No. Well, it's in Exodus 12, 2. Can you read it for me? Exodus 12. That's the first commandment of the Torah. Yeah, you go. This month will mark the beginning of month for you. It is the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, blah, 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 blah. That's the first commandment of the whole Torah. Okay? And so, it's not the first of the Ten Commandments of the Deco. The whole. Okay, so the Israelites, um, this is to establish the calendar based on the monthly rebirth of the moon. The Israelites are also instructed to bring a Passover offering, a lamb or kid goat, and so on and so on. Remember, God will pass over homes and will kill the Egyptians. The roasted meat of the offering is to be eaten that night together with matzah, unleavened bread, and bitter herbs. So the Torah is getting us ready during this month and the next one for the next stage, for the next season, which is going to be Passover, Pesach which starts another 50 days, all the way to Shavuot, the, the, the holiday of the weeks. So the Torah is, is already, because we tend to forget everything, right? We forget everything. I, I do. I have a wife to remind me everything. And because and, I, you know, I forget. Once I turn the TV or the computer on or I grab a book, Ah, I'm, I'm in another dimension. And so she's like, hey, wake up. We got to do, do this and that, right? And so I guess that's happened to all of us, uh, procrastination or procaffeination, where you have, when you haven't get coffee. It's procaffeination, you know. Uh, it's almost the same of procrastination. And so, but the Torah is helping us to learn, to, to, to remember all those things, to get ready for the next things. You know, right now you just got to think about cleaning your homes because the spring is coming. You got to start to clean up your homes again. I mean, I know you clean them every day. You're very clean people. But I'm talking about, you know, I, I, I threw out, you know, I really clean up, dusting everything from all the way up down. 
and throwing everything you have in your garage. Of course, you gotta check into your heart. What else do you have in your heart? Maybe you have a lot of things. While you're cleaning your homes, don't forget to pray for yourself. You know, you know, prayer means examining yourself. So check inside of what other things you've been putting in your heart, and you use your heart as a as a trash can, as a garage, and you start to put things in there, right? A lot of things in there that you gotta clean up. Clean up and getting ready for the holidays. Of course, it's joyous and putting and everything. We're gonna talk about that the next month, but um, you just get started in all these things. So the Torah is helping us to understand all those things and remind us, uh, and Bo is going to remind us about the first commandment of the Torah, the first month, which is Nisan. So he's giving us like two months ahead of time to think about it, to go like, oh, yes, we got to do this, this, and that. All right? Uh, and then you start to buy whatever you need to buy and so on. The death of the firstborn finally breaks fire of resistance and so on. This is about Baal. It talks about the tefillin and so on. Then it's Beshalach. Beshalach is very interesting. Soon after allowing the children of Israel to depart from Egypt, Pharaoh chases after them to force their return, and the Israelites find themselves trapped between Pharaoh's armies and the sea. You know, the sea splits, then Moses and the children of Israel sing a song. That is why this is also called Shabbat Shirah, the, the Sabbath of a song. And of course, it's uh, directed by, uh, a dancing and singing is directed by Miriam, uh, the sister of Moses. Uh, it's very cool, all of this that's happened in Beshalach. Uh, again, there are many, they, they're getting ready, and uh, but the people of Israel start to complain to Moses and Aaron. Uh, the water from the rock was another cool thing and mysterious kind of. Manna, quails. Uh, it talks about a double portion for Friday, of manna on Friday, so you don't have to do it on Shabbat. There are many things that we're not supposed to do in Shabbat if we're still doing it. Somehow that's why we don't have any kind of blessings because we're still doing things on Shabbat. We really don't care. And then if we don't, the Lord is like, okay, okay, no problem. And it talks about the Amalekites and, um, and how they get defeated by Moses' prayers and an army raised by Joshua. Pretty cool guy. He was the second in command, but he's one of the two who made it. So we gotta look what Joshua did to make it as well. All right, and then Yitro and Yitro, we have the commandments, the Ten Commandments. But before that, we have uh, Yitro, uh, Moses' father-in-law. He hears the great miracles. So the testimony of, of, of Moses makes his family to move on to a different level. And then we see that Yitro probably didn't make it to the, the, the next level. He didn't cross over with the Israelites, but two of his sons did. And it's all of that in the book of, uh, of uh, Joshua. So, but Yitro also helps 
according to the uh, tradition, Jitro was one of the most uh, uh, influenced guys then. There were three of them. One, according to this tradition, one was Job, the other one was Jitro, I'm talking about the Gentiles, and the third one was uh, uh, Bilam, I think. Uh, Bilam, yes, is, is another prophet, a Gentile prophet. And all these three guys were very influencers, not only of the Jewish people, but also of the other nations. So it talks about that, and then, you know, they, he advises Moses about the 70 guys that he put in charge, and so on. Of course, God proclaimed the Ten Commandments, commanding the people of Israel to believe in God, not to worship idols, or take God's name in vain, to keep the Sabbath on their parents, not to murder, not to commit adultery, not to steal, not to bear false witnesses or covet another's property. The people cry out to Moses that the revelation is too intense for them to bear, beginning begging him to receive the Torah from God and convey it to, to them. So it's pretty cool. Then we're going to see, this year we're going to see all the way to Mishpatim, another cool um, portion of the Torah, and is uh, kind of explained by Yaakov, the book of James in the New Testament. It's all about this portion. Uh, so in the next slide, we're going to see that what season we are now. We are in the season of winter. Shabbat is technically a winter month, but it's also understood as be, being a time of transition between the depth of winter and the heating steering, the steerings of spring. In the land of Israel, the sages teach us that during the month of Shvat, after a long winter period of dormancy, the sap begins to flow in the trees again. What has been in, in high, hibernation and held in reserve due to the cold of, of winter is rose afresh during the month of Shvat, returning a sense of vitality to the natural world. We too experience this subtle shift, especially if we take the time to tap into and appreciate it. This is one of the main purposes, purposes of, uh, of Tu Beshvat, to sensitize us to what is happening in the world around us and to help us realize that as a human is like a, a, a human is like a tree. The same dynamic shifts are occurring within us as well. I mean, you can talk to the trees, but if the trees talk back to you, talk to me, you need deliverance probably. <laughs> but, but, you know, the, the trees are, you can, you can see when they move, right? They're cool to see it, right? They seem like they praising the Lord, right? Talk to them. You can talk to them. Hey, hi, trees. What's up? Don't fall down on me. But if they talk to you, back to you, then you need deliverance. Definitely you need it. Because that's not possible. Unless you're watching The Lord of the Rings. That's another story. That's another story. Anyhow, I mean, the trees are cool. And the Torah compares a tree with a, a human life. Not necessarily means that you're, like, equal to a tree. But it's just comparing when you watch the environment around you. You know, when you leave your cell phones, and I'm talking to myself too, I'm stepping on my own toes, when you 
put your cell phone down, you're able to enjoy life. Right? You can see, I mean, once the environment, there's so many cool things out there that we missed, you know, because we do other things. And the next slide, what is the holiday? We already talked about it, is uh, Tuve Shabbat, and happy Tuve Shabbat, those who will have a seder or celebrate it. If you can't celebrate it, you, you know, make the whole, the whole seder, because that's, that's rabbinical, it's not, it's not on the Torah, but it's just a kind of a, kind of a, a rehearse for the proper Seder and Nisan. But if you can't do it, if you're not able to do it, just buy, you know, the fruits that mentions in Deuteronomy 8.8, 8, the, the seven fruits of Israel, buy them and eat them. Just say a prayer and eat them, you know. It will remind you, uh, you know, the holiday of to Beshvat and try, again try to see your environment. Now, I'm not trying to tell you you gotta be an environmentalist, but if you plant a tree with your kids, it will be awesome as well. If you have four or five kids, just a tree per kid, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna be a very nice um, family activity. Buy the trees, plant them, and take care of them every year. Hey, this is your tree, look at it. I know we're probably gonna, not going to see that tree all the way up. We might die, but our children and our grandchildren will see them. They'll see like, oh, this is the tree my father planted with me. It's, it's, it's a nice thing to do. So, so why the celebration is so important for us, the believers in the Messiah? It's many things. We have no time to go through it. One of the names of Mashiach is Zemach. Zemach. Uh, which has been translated in many Sidurim as plant, sprout, or branch. Where we can find this warring concept of, in, on Jewish literature? The Shemone Esrei, which literally means 18, is a prayer that is considered the center of any Jewish religious service, also known as the Amida or Hatefilah. The Shemone Esrei or the Amidah, is the core of Jewish worship and prayer. This prayer is known by three names. Uh, we're going to move the sections, we're going to move all these things. The Amidah structure is divided in three central sections, praise, petition, and thanksgiving. It's very diplomatic, by the way. It's like a, you, you're approaching a king, and so you've got to talk to the king with diplomacy. You just don't go, if you were invited to the to the office of the President of the United States. I don't care if you don't like him. Some of you, I heard some of the Martians don't like him. Uh, uh, but, but if you're invited to that, it will be an honor for you. But you have a protocol. You can not just go and talk whatever and dress whatever, you know. You have a protocol that you, have to, you must follow in order for you to be at the presidency that which you have to respect because it's the presidency, the office of the president of your country. So you gotta respect that, that uh, title, that place, and so on. So when you approach the Lord, you do the same thing. You praise Him, you make a petition, and then thanksgiving. According to the tradition, the Amidah should be praying three times per day. The first section starts with three blessings called Avot. Um, uh, um, 
Hebrew for ancestors and, and is the instruction to connect to the divine, Gevura, Might, and Kedusha, Holiness. The middle section only recited on weekdays consists of 13 blessings that are individual and communal requests to God. The first five prayers of the section are personal or the individual requests to God to improve the situation of each person, to give us the ability to repent of our transgressions, for God to give us grace and forgive us, to send Messiah, our Redeemer, and to heal the sick. The following eight prayers on this section are explicitly on the communal and national needs, prayers for rain, to ensure good crops, prayers to end the diaspora, to restore the judges and establish justice back to the world, to humble those who want to destroy Israel, to sustain the righteous of Israel, to rebuild Jerusalem, to reestablish the Davidic dynasty. It's right there. The Amidah is more messianic than all of us together. Who is the one who's going to reestablish the Davidic dynasty? God himself, right? He's going to come back and do it in the form of Yeshua our Messiah. And a petition to hear and answer the prayer of his people. All these middle sections changes on Shabbat and holidays. The revised established the middle section as an opportunity to celebrate the holiness, holiness of the Shabbat day or the festival or holiday. The third and final section on the Amidah concludes with blessings and thanksgivings to God. They are called Abodah, service, Hoda'ah, thanks. The final prayer is called Shalom, peace. This is the petition for, to bestow justice, mercies, and peace, mercy and peace uh, on the world. The community asks that God grant peace, goodness, blessings, and compassion upon everyone. Um, so, but in the 15th prayer of the Amidah is where this name of Messiah is right there. Or, uh, 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 and it's called Birkat David, the blessing of David. Or David, the blessing of David. And it's called Amalchut Bet David, the kingdom of David. And it says, At Zemach David Abdecha Mecheratas Miach, Bekarnot Harum Beshuatecha, Kilishuatecha, Kivinu Kohayom, Baruhata Donai Mas Miach, Kerem Yeshua. Right there in the prayer. I have a friend who. Um, when he's Jewish and he will, when he was I used to talk about Yeshua all the time with him and when he saw this prayer when he was really praying this prayer it's like I saw Yeshua I'm like what do you saw Yeshua but I saw it right here it's right here in the Siddur in my Siddur the Siddur that his grandma you know gave it to him so he never read it before he never you know he, he was just a secular guy and since he accepted the Messiah, and right now he lives in New York, he's, he's cool with it. What the prayer says is the coming of the Messiah, or Birkat David, or at Zemach David. Again, Zemach means sprout. The offspring of Thai servant David quickly calls to flourish and lift up his power by thy deliverance. For thy deliverance do we constantly hope. Bless art thou, Lord, who makes the glory of deliverance to flourish. Uh, it speedily caused, in another version says, it speedily caused the plant, the offspring, 
of your servant David to grow, to flourish, and let his horn, power, be exalted by your salvation. For we hope for your salvation all day. Blessed are you, Hashem, who causes the horn of salvation to grow. So, and, and, and the proper way, uh, why do we translate Zemach David as the offspring of David? Serach means offspring in Hebrew. Semach is a plant, or as I said before, an sprout, which is a male word in Hebrew. Um, and you can find that word also in Jeremiah 33, 15. It says, when those days come, at that, at that time, I will cause to spring up for David a branch of righteousness. It's right there, a plant of righteousness. So it's very interesting. That word Zemach appears in there as well. Um, so Mashiach help us with patience. You know, as I said before, there are different kinds of seeds. Everyone needs to grow in a different way. We are like seeds. So Messiah is comparing himself with a seed. He needed to die before to grow. So we need to do the same thing. We need to die like a seed, die, and then we'll grow. Die, and then we'll grow. No matter when, but you need to die before you grow. It doesn't matter when. It's a process. Sometimes it's hard for us to die, right? Yes. Die, the death is something like, oh man, we don't, I don't want to talk about that. But we need to die. To die to so many things we do. You know, we are animals of the same thing. We do the same thing over and over, especially guys, right? We do the things over and over and over, and we know we're doing wrong, but we, eh, I don't want to die to my whatever I'm doing. Some people feel that when that happens, it's the end. But in reality, in reality, it's just the beginning. Do not commit a spiritual suicide. Everyone has trials. Psalms 24, 14 of the NASB says, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So be patient. Romans 8.25 of the King James Version says, But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. The complete Jewish version of Romans 15.4 to five says, for everything written in the past was written to teach us, so that with the encouragement of the Tanakh, we might patiently hold on to our hope. And may God, the source of encouragement and patience, give you the same attitude among yourselves as the Messiah Yeshua had. This is a very cool text. Um, and so let me move on. Uh, of course, the, the, the spices or the, the fruits that we are talking about from uh, Deuteronomy 8.8, those are agricultural uh, products, right? They are wheat, barley, grape, fig, pomegranates, olive, and dates. Okay? And those represent the Messiah as well. I told you that before. So we wait for uh, the Messiah. And also remember the Messiah, Yeshua's experience in the Gethsemane was right there in the, in, in the month of olives. Olives are very cool, and the way they 
smashed them to get the oil. It's the same way Messiah was crushed to, you know, for us to be saved. So how is your spiritual growing today? Are you really growing? The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. There again, the Tanakh is helping us to compare ourselves with a tree, a palm tree. If, if you've been in Florida, you know those palm trees. If you've been in the Caribbean and in some tropical places, you see those, uh, those palm trees. They're really cool, right? They don't break. They're unbelievable. The hurricanes pass by and they just don't break. You see buildings all thrown away and the palm trees are there. No, with no leaves, some of them, but they are still there. Yeah, you might find some cocoa, coconuts somewhere, you know. Uh, and so it says here, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. I mean, this is amazing. So are you studying his word to show others how much knowledge you have, just to show off, or are you doing it for the Lord? You really, do you really want to change? Do you really want to improve your life and get closer to the Lord? 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourself approved by God. It doesn't say study to get approved by Bethel and I, or by your next door neighbor, your husband, your wife, or Rabbi Scott, right? You don't need to get approved by any one of us, or Rabbits and Judy, right? You don't, yeah, you won't impress them, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> but study to show yourself approved by God, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 so are we growing patiently like on a spiritual plant? I really encourage you to die tonight. Die to your sins. Die to anything you're doing wrong. And move on and just, you know, grow. Start like a plant. Messiah himself compared himself with a sprout. What is a sprout? It's just a little thing and it looks very fragile. Right? And it needs a lot to take care of. Uh, let me pray for you. Let's stand up. I'm sorry it took me a, a long time. There were 50 pages that I put them in, uh, in a nutshell. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for everything you make us understand. And, uh, just keep giving us your grace and help us to be like an sprout, like a semach. Help us to be like Moshiach and grow in, in spirit and in truth to uh, just die ourselves to our sins and help us to move on into whatever you, you want us to be, to whatever you have plans for us to do. And thank you, Father, for Shvat, and thank you for reminding us what we need to be doing for the next uh, holidays and the next things that we, we are going to do. Amen. 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 Amen.